Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. come to our time in the service in which we hear the reading of God's word and today it comes from Matthew chapter 26 verses 14 through 16. This is Matthew 26 14 through 16. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Then one of the twelve whose name was Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do thank you for your word. And, Lord, we pray that this word and all the word that we read and that we engage with will teach us and form us into the people that you desire us to be. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Every hero needs a good villain. This is part of watching any of those sort of movies is we kind of have to pay attention. There, there needs to be a worthy villain for a hero to overcome, right? And so I was thinking about some of our famous villains, right? You think about somebody like the Joker. Um, there's been lots of uh, different movies with the Joker, but Batman's arch nemesis, if you will. Um, and then you have sort of this classic bad guy um, who just looks the part, Darth Vader, right? Um, that, that just he looks and he sounds the part um, and just sort of this menacing presence that the Jedi have to overcome. And then, of course, recently there's, of course, a real popular villain, Thanos, that, that he could just change the world with a snap of his finger. And that this, this villain had to be um, so bad that it took all the Avengers working together to overcome that. Now, sometimes when I, when I watch movies, I'm paying attention to all sorts of different things, but, but I like people to do things for a reason that makes sense. I don't just like people being bad for no particular reason. I, I want to sort of understand, like, what it is that they're trying to accomplish. And so I think about, like, with Thanos, with, with his goal was to find balance in the universe. And though I didn't agree with what he did, I, I thought, well, at least he, he makes some sort of sense as to what he was doing. And I began to to think about that as it relates to our Bible. I began to think about who are the villains in in, in the scriptures. And I was thinking, gosh, probably if we were to ask people, there would be two names that would just probably come up more than anything else. And one would be Satan, and the other would be Judas. Now, Now, Judas, to me, is really interesting because there's so little actually mentioned about Judas in our scriptures. Uh, um, really, there's two things we know about Judas, is that he was one of the 12 disciples, and that he was the disciple that betrayed Jesus and turned Jesus over to um, the religious leaders and eventually the Roman officials. But I, I think we sort of have to ask ourselves, is like, what was Judas's motive? Why did he do what he did? Again, I like there to be some sort of rational reason for, for him to do what he did. And, and so one reason that we um, traditionally think about when somebody does something is because of money, right? And so we, we, have, we have this as part of our story, that in fact he turned Jesus in for 30 pieces of silver. Now 30 pieces of silver is actually significant for a couple of reasons. One is it was actually the price of a slave. In Exodus 21, we read this, 
if an ox gores a slave, male or female, the owner shall give to the master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. And so that was the price of a slave. But I sort of wondered, like, how much was this worth um, back then? What was 30 pieces of, of silver worth um, then? And so what we, what we learn is last week we talked about that, that alabaster jar and how the woman broke that open over Jesus and anointed Jesus. And that jar would have probably been worth somewhere in the neighborhood of $25,000 um, in our modern day equivalent. The 30 pieces of silver, the best that I could find, was somewhere between about three dollars to $6,000 in modern day equivalent. A significant amount of money, if somebody gave you uh, $3,000, you'd probably be pretty happy today. Um, but it's not, I don't know if that's enough to be able to, to turn Jesus in and to really sort of risk everything over three dollars to $6,000. And so then I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe revenge, right? I watch those shows. They, re, people want to do things because they, they hate somebody. They're mad at somebody. So maybe Judas has, had a revenge motive that I'm going to get Jesus back for something that Jesus did. Now, we can't really find anything that, that Jesus necessarily did. And it really seems like this motive falls short in Matthew chapter 27. Because uh, in Matthew 27, verses 3 and 4, we hear these words. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And so this is really fascinating, right? So here Judas is, and he, he just turns Jesus over, and then once Jesus gets arrested and condemned towards death, he's like, whoa, 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 that's not what I wanted to have happen. Like, you know, it would have made sense that if he thought that this was going to happen, he would have been followed through with it and said, oh, yes, well, this is, this is what I wanted. I wanted Jesus to get what was coming to him. But he said, I have betrayed innocent blood. And he tried to, to do it over again. And so maybe revenge wasn't the motive that he was looking for. But maybe it's power. Oftentimes people do things because they want to be in power. They want to have authority. They want to have leadership. And this is actually the most interesting and I think in a lot of ways the most logical of why Judas did what he did. And I actually learned about this when I was in seminary. I had a professor by the name of, of Dr. Robert Mulholland. Uh, he taught New Testament. Doesn't he look like somebody that would know things, right? Just sort of has that sort of wisdom sort of face and um, demeanor. And, and so one day I'm in his um, New Testament class and he begins to talk about Judas. And when he talked about it, it just really sort of blew my mind because it made more sense than anything I had ever heard before. One of the things we know about Judas is that he was called Judas Iscariot, but we don't really know what Iscariot means. But what he told us was it could mean of the Scari. Now, that was a group of violent Jewish zealots who were designed, and what they wanted to do was to start a rebellion against Rome. So let me just remind you a little bit of the setting that Jesus was in, is that um, Jerusalem was the center of Jewish life, and they expected there to be a Messiah who would rule over Jerusalem and the areas that would surround it. But instead of having free reign and free rule, the Romans oversaw everything. And, and you got to have peace and do things the way you wanted to do as long as you did them the Roman way first. All right, there was the Pax Romana. Some of you may remember that, the peace of Rome, which was not peace through wholeness, but it was peace through force. As long as you do things our way, you can have a little bit of your way. 
And so what, what Jewish leaders wanted and what they believed would happen would be there would be a Messiah who would come, and this Messiah would rule over, would expel the Romans from Jerusalem, and would reign over there. That's what they expected to happen. And this group of Skari people were people who would do that by any means necessary. And so they were actually dagger wielders, and so they would walk around carrying these daggers and in, in years, and then they would stab Roman officials and other folks just on the street. They would get close and then stab them on the street, believing that the means would justify the end, that, that this would begin the rebellion that would happen. And this is actually what, what I think makes the most sense with Judas is that Judas wasn't trying to betray Jesus so that he would get some money. I don't think he was trying to betray Jesus because he hated Jesus, but I think he was frustrated with Jesus because he, Jesus wasn't doing things the way that Judas wanted Jesus to do them. Have you ever been there before? That Jesus, I have a plan for you. Just do things my way and everything will work out all right. And I think this is where Judas was, was Jesus, we need this rebellion to start. And I thought when we got into Jerusalem that this is what would happen, is that we would begin to overthrow the government, but that's not what is happening. And so Judas thought, let me just speed things up a little bit. Because if he gets arrested, then Jesus will have to fight back. And when Jesus fights back, then he will win, and then I get to sit by his side. Think about Two of Jesus' other disciples, James and John, they had been asking Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, when you come into power, can I sit at one year left and one year right? This is what the disciples expected. And Judas was thinking, let me just do this faster. And so he began to try to speed up the process. And that really helps us to understand the next part of Matthew, which is Matthew 26, 20 through 25. And let me read this part to you. In light of Judas, maybe trying to speed Jesus up, and not really having these sinister motives. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. I mean, isn't that interesting? That, that we already know that Judas has gone to the, the religious leaders and has already agreed to this payment, and then he's sitting around the table with Jesus and saying, Is it I? Am I the one that's going to betray you? And, and Jesus says, you have said so. I mean, wouldn't Judas have thought like, oh, he's figured me out. Actually, in the, in the Gospel of John, it, um, Jesus tells Judas, what you do, do quickly. And if this version of Judas is true, it almost seems like Jesus would wink at Judas and say, what you do, do quickly. I know what you're doing. And in some ways, you're smarter than everybody else. Because not only are you going to start the rebellion, but you're going to get money out of the whole thing. Is it I, Lord? I mean, this is what the disciples were asking. Is it I, Lord? In fact, we have um, Leonardo da Vinci's uh, famous picture of the Last Supper actually captures that moment in which, the, which Jesus said, one of you will betray me, and they were all wondering, is it I, Lord? Now, I don't know 
to me, that's one of the more fascinating things, not only in this scripture, but in scripture altogether, because human nature tells me that there would be a different question that would probably be asked, is that if, if we had a group of people around and somebody said, one of you will betray me, we're not going to be saying, is it I, Lord? We're going to be saying, I think it's him, all right? Most likely it's her over there. She's the one who would do that sort of thing. So why is it that they, instead of saying, oh, pointing fingers, which is something that we so common do, that they began to look inwardly and realized it could be them. It could be them. And Judas didn't even realize that it was him. And so I think this really is the key question. Is it I, Lord? Not only did Judas ask that, but all the disciples asked. And it's a posture that I don't think that a lot of us have. Because often we think about what other people might be doing, but we don't see ourselves as being capable in the same way. But here's what I believe, is that each of us, under the wrong circumstances, are capable of doing the exact opposite of what we believe we should do. Is that each of us, under the wrong circumstances, are capable of doing the exact opposite of what we believe that we should do. What we know better than, that if, if we're put into the right situation, it will happen. I have the, the privilege of, of doing uh, weddings and I always sit down with couples and do their premarital counseling and you know they look at each other with these great lovely eyes and they don't see any faults in the other person and all that other sort of wonderful things that, that happen. Um, but, but what we do know is that marriage is, is really hard and difficult and painful at times. And, 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 I, and really we end up hurting one another. We do things to our spouse that we never imagined that we could do uh, 25% of men um, commit affairs, 15% of women do. And, and, and when, you at, when I ask people at, at premarital counseling, they never say that could happen to them. But actually, it is the awareness that it could happen to us that prevents those sort of things happening. One of the ways that I learned this was, was being a dad. I remember one night, it was my turn, all right? Heather and I, we would trade off turns about overnight. And, and it was one of those, at 3 o'clock in the morning, it's just the worst time ever, right? Like, it's just awful like why are you up at three o'clock in the morning like to take care of a baby and that should be about it and so it was one of those nights in which um you know I was tired from a long day and you know I you you just want to when, it, when they wake up in the middle of the night your goal is to get them back to sleep as quickly as possible for as long as possible right and so you know so you go through the routine you change them you, you get the bottle you feed them the bottle you burp them all those sort of things and then it's just like sleep son like you wish you could just hypnotize them sleep but, but for whatever reason, this morning, th that morning, Micah wouldn't go to sleep. You know, I did all the things that I was supposed to do. So, you know, I, I got more milk, and you gave him more milk. I, you know, I burped him a little bit more, and, and I began at 3 o'clock in the morning to get angry at this child for all he was trying to do was communicate something, but I didn't know what it was. And maybe all he wanted was just to be held by his dad. And all I wanted was for him to go to bed so I could go to bed, right? And, and what happened was I, this anger began to build up inside of me. That I began to get angry, just sleep, son. That's all I want you to do is just sleep. Why don't you just sleep? And at that moment, I got it how people who love their children could be capable of harming their child. Not because we want to or we hope to. And I didn't hurt him, just so you all know. But I... I felt it, and I realized that under the wrong circumstances, I'm capable of doing the exact opposite of what we want to do. And I think that a lot of times we can find ourselves in that. 
I mean, even, and a lot of times fear and anxiety drive us to do things we don't want to do. So maybe at the beginning of the week, you saw people going to emergency pick up toilet paper, and you thought, I would never be that person. But by Friday, when they brought out the big pallet at Walmart, you were there to scoop it up, all right? So Monday, I would never be the person. But by Friday, under the wrong circumstances, we're that person, right? And so one of the things that we have to realize is we're capable of doing the things that we don't want to do. And that just because we spend a lot of time with Jesus, it does not mean that we will automatically act like him or be like him. I mean, Judas spent years walking with Jesus, seeing Jesus, hearing Jesus, watching miracles being done. And then he goes around and and betrays him and and doesn't think that Jesus is moving in the right way. And, And I don't think that we are immune to sin because we come to church, because we read our Bible, because we pray But in fact, we have to realize that we as humans are prone to wander. I think about that that song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And and in in, in that song, it talks about that prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Is that as humans and even as Christians, we have a tendency to wander away from God. And we need, and because of that, we need to realize that all of us could be like Judas and betray Jesus. So if we're prone to wander, the first thing we have to realize is that we are capable of doing things that we don't want to do, doing things that we know we shouldn't do, doing things that don't make sense, that that under the wrong circumstances, all of us are capable of betraying Jesus, of betraying our loved ones, of acting in ways that we're not, that we are prone to wander, and that we are all capable of doing these awful things. But also we have to understand that there is darkness and fear at work. Is that that we do live in a world of of flesh and blood, but there's also this spiritual battle that that we can't always see. You know, Jesus was was tempted by Satan and Jesus cast out demons. I don't always understand those worlds, but I believe in them. And that there is darkness that is around us in a spiritual sense, all right? But also there's darkness around us in fear. And one of the things that, that I see in the midst of, of this, and I mean, there's lots of, I don't always know the best way to respond in, in this pandemic situation, but I know that fear is not where God wants us to go. But, but it's easy to be caught up in fear. It's easy to scare others and to be afraid ourselves. That's why throughout scripture it says, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. And so we walk as people who we are prone to darkness and fear. And so many people make decisions based on fear. And I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be that pastor. I don't want to be that person who makes decisions based on fear of other things. But instead, I want to trust in the hope of Jesus Christ and believe that his light can cast out all darkness. The other thing that we have to realize is that our basic motivation, our basic tendency is selfishness. Is that, is that at the end of the day, we all are, basic, are prone to wander, is to prone to wander towards our own choices and our own choosing, that you and I are selfish people. One of the ways that uh, I know this is, again, being a parent, I saw selfishness just sort of grow up naturally, and I, see that, um, and I see that in myself sometimes. There are some times in which my children, they may be doing something that they're not supposed to do, but I'm more bothered because they're ruining me watching sports, which won't happen for a while now, but um, I'm more upset that they interrupted me than what they did to one another. We're selfish. 
Somebody asked me, Aaron, how do, you, how do we get people to come to different events or other such stuff? And I said, the first thing we have to do is we have to make sure that people know how it's good for them. That, that because we're making decisions based on what is in our best interest. And so we're prone to wander. We're, we're, we're prone to be selfish. We're capable of doing awful things. There's a world of darkness and fear all around us. And we often choose ourselves over other people. But the good news is, is that there's hope. That this doesn't have to be our reality for our world of following Jesus. But in fact, I think there are some ways in which you and I can move forward. The first thing that we have to do is that we have to be humble. And that, and that we have to have a humility for ourselves. Is that we have to always realize, again, that we are capable of doing these things. And, 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 and even be watching about when we might be taking steps in a direction we don't want to go. It's easy for all of us to lie to ourselves and to justify our own behaviors. All right, And so that sometimes we can be like, well, it wasn't that bad because of X, Y, Z and A, B, C. And we begin to put a whole list of excuses for ourselves. But part of what we are called to do as a people of God is to be humble. And that we seek humility for ourselves. And that we say, God, can you help me check my motives? Maybe I had the right motive on Monday, but by Thursday I had the wrong motive. And as it built along, just because I started down the right path doesn't mean I stayed on it. And so we have to continually seek humility for ourselves. The next thing that we need to, to do is, is it really involves other people. Is we need honesty from others. We need people who will speak honestly to us. I, I had one leader who said, you know, Aaron, one thing I ask everybody to do is find somebody who will tell you the truth and they're not afraid of it. We all need people in our lives who will, who will not be afraid to tell us the truth and will let us know, Aaron, you messed up there. Or, you know, that wasn't the right thing to say. Or, you know, it, you, you, think, you think that outfit looks good, but it really doesn't, right? We need these people who are honest with us. And what happens is, is that sometimes we don't allow ourselves to other people to be honest with us. Uh, there was one time I worked with a leader and, and none of us were able to talk to this person about some deficiencies or other things because there wasn't a culture of being honest with one another and a culture of being honest with this person. They wouldn't be able to see it. And so I want to be a part of a group of people and part of a church in which we're honest with one another and that we can have these conversations because all of us have blind spots. There are all things that I can't see that maybe some of you can see all right, and we need to be honest with one another. So are you putting yourselves in position in which people can speak honestly with you and you don't react negatively to them? It's not always the easy place to be, but it makes all the difference in the world. One of the things that I, I particularly enjoyed one Sunday was um, there was a lady, she'd been coming to church for a while, this is before I got here, and, um, and, but she, hardly, she never said a word. Like she'd just come to church and then she'd leave. And then so, um, so one day she 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 comes to church and then I'm standing out in the hallway and I'm greeting people I shook hands with people that day but you know I'm shaking hands and she comes by and she says I didn't agree with your sermon and um and I said well tell me more um and, and so she began to tell me a little bit more and it was just such a gift that, that she was able to communicate that to me um and so and that you felt that even though we didn't have that great of a relationship that she felt she could be honest with me and that makes me better and I think that's what we do is when we find a culture of trust that we are allowed to be honest with one another. But the most important thing that for us to move forward is, is it does take ourselves, it does take others, but most of all, it takes help from the Holy Spirit. Is that you and I, because we're battling stuff that's not just flesh and blood, but we need help from the Holy Spirit to move forward. 
that, that we need God to come and give us clarity and wisdom about what to do next. Is that sometimes we don't know what the path looks like. But all that God is going to give us is one step of faith, one day at a time. And we need his help to guide and to walk us that way. And so if you want to move forward, then that's what we have to do. We have to have humility for ourselves. We have to have honesty from other people. But most of all, we have to have help from the Holy Spirit. And say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do today? Lord, how do I take the next step of faith? Lord, I'm feeling anxious about this. I'm feeling afraid. This darkness seems to be around me. And that's when the Holy Spirit will help. And so we have to do that every day. It's not enough that I did it yesterday, but I have to do it today as well. And so day by day, I seek God and I say, Lord, help me. See, I think that we all have betrayed Jesus and we're all capable of doing that to him and to other people. We've let him down, we've let other people down. But the good news is, is that Jesus died for us and Jesus shed his blood for us. And so at the end of our service, we're going to be taking communion. And, and part of the way, reason that we're doing that is just a reminder that it is for us who have betrayed Jesus that this table is for. And that when we come, we come humbly. We come seeking help from the Holy Spirit and realizing that we have sinned, but God has given us grace upon grace. So let us pray. And so, Lord, we do thank you for this day. And Lord, we, we pray that, there are, that we would seek you. Lord, there are times in which we have um, not believed that we could do the things that we've done. But Lord, we have. And so Lord, now we just, we confess those things to you. And Lord, we pray through your mercy and through your spirit and through your goodness that you would restore to us the joy of your salvation. And that we would follow you all the days of our lives. So Lord, may your Holy Spirit help us and guide us and teach us this day and every day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.